movies. Awesome, awesome, awesome. <laughs> Very cool. I know it's a holiday too. I know it's Team Sunday. I know that small groups are signing up this morning. I know there's a lot of things happening right now. But I'm just excited to be in the house of the Lord this morning. We meet, of course, at a movie theater. But man, every time we come together, I feel like I get to be with the body of Christ. I get to be with believers. I get to be with my team. And so that is exciting for me. This morning we stood in the circle out uh, for our morning huddle for the team. And man, everybody was so pumped to get to come and be a part of Team Sunday. I want to do just a couple things. I want to talk for a second about what is at the movies. Like this is an effort for us to have an, an outreach and series and for me to preach, although I love to preach. I like to preach about anything, really. We just open up the Bible and preach. But this is a moment that for me, even though it feels so different than every other Sunday, this is, a, this is something that is really a lot like what Jesus did whenever Jesus would show up on the side of a hill or he'd show up in the, in the city or the country and preach a message and say, hey, the kingdom of heaven is like this river or a house or a farm or uh, a farmer that planted seeds. And by the way, look at this field over here and related the things of the kingdom of heaven to things that we understand. And so this is kind of us taking a parable of a movie and finding the concepts and principles of heaven and finding the things of God and biblical principles that are really hidden, hidden in plain sight in movies that some of you love, some of you have seen. Let me ask you guys, how many of you have seen the movie just by a show of hands, Ready Player One? All right, so that's good. First service, there was a bunch of people that had seen it and a bunch that had not seen it. So I'll just go ahead and tell you, if you haven't seen it, it's going to get spoiled because we're going to talk about it. And I'm going to share some, uh, hopefully some insights some things in the Word of God that you've never seen before and some things that God has for you this morning. So redeeming qualities from some of our favorite movies. If you haven't already gotten popcorn and drinks, I want to encourage you to find that popcorn and drink right now because we're going to do something to start this first clip off that requires that you waited. If you didn't wait, then you'll know next time. Whoa, whoa, whoa. That was <laughs> a little premature. A li it wasn't Joel. It wasn't Joel. I won't say who it was sitting next to Joel. All right. <laughs> so here's what we're going to do. On the count countdown from three, we're going to open, and then we're going to get right to it. So three, two, one. Hey, 
Hello, Miss Gilmore. What's the matter? Life getting you down? <laughs> I was born in 2027. After the corn syrup droughts, after the bandwidth riots, after people stopped trying to fix problems and just tried to outlive them. My parents, they didn't make it through those times, so I live here in Columbus, Ohio with my Aunt Alice. In 2045, Columbus is the fastest growing city on Earth. It's where Halliday and Morrow started gregarious games. These days, reality is a bummer. Everyone's looking for a way to escape. And that's why Halliday, that's why he was such a hero to us. He showed us that we could go somewhere without going anywhere at all. You don't need a destination when you're running on an omnidirectional treadmill with quadraphonic pressure-sensitive underlay. James Halliday saw the future, and then he built it. He gave us a place to go, a place called the Oasis. This is the Oasis. It's a place where the limits of reality are your own imagination. You can do anything. Go anywhere. Like the vacation planet. Surf a 50-foot monster wave in Hawaii. You can ski down the pyramids. You can climb Mount Everest with Batman. So that's where we pick up this story. And I want us to talk for just a couple of minutes. Uh, the, the, the movie that some of you have seen, Ready Player One, was based on a book called Ready Player One, written by Ernest Cline. And in it, he talks about a world where everything is bad. Nobody wants to live in their, current in their current life. Nobody wants to live in their own reality. And so they escape into the oasis through something like this. Even, even we have things like this in our world where in virtual reality we can live another life. We can do things that we could never do in this real life. And so for a second, I, I want us to talk about virtual reality. I want to talk about it, what it's like to escape, but first I want you to uh, look underneath your chairs. If you'll look underneath your chairs, you will not find anything because nothing's there. <laughs> yeah, nothing's there. <laughs> and so here's the deal. Even though we don't all, like the Bible describes this world as fallen, right? There's sin. There's things that none of us want to live in. There, there's hurt. There's pain. There's heartache. No matter what kind of life you've experienced, anyone who's experienced life has experienced pain. And sometimes that pain gets so bad and gets to the point where I don't want to live in this life anymore. In fact, we live in a world today where many of us, probably within reach right now, because we don't like to get too far away from it, in your pocket or in your purse or in your hand probably, there's a cell phone. And in it, you can connect in social media and we can build whoever we want to look like, act like, the persona that we want to 
portray of ourselves and interact with other people. And even though we don't actually log in every day, we still have the same kind of escapism that's talked about in this book because, let's face it, people hurt people, right? You get close enough to someone, you get hurt. There, there's pain associated in life. You live life long enough, you're going to encounter some kind of pain. And so we escape into things like music and maybe it's even coffee. Some of you guys love love coffee or going to a bar or video games, dancing or, again, social media, something. Some The things that we put ourselves into so that we can escape from this life. In fact, Jesus said in John chapter 16, in this world, this world that we all live in, there's going to be trouble. You're going to have trouble. Like there's no life where it's going to be so amazing and so good. I will tell you that even people who have been given everything in life have their own sets of troubles. People who struggle from the moment that they're born just to get a meal together, they have their own set of problems. We all struggle in different ways. And the thing is, even though this life is going to have trouble, he said, I've overcome this world. So there, there is hope. There is there's a better life to look forward to. Even though we live in this fallen world, we can't escape from it, but he's given us something. We cannot escape reality, but the thing is, he's given us a new reality. So you're in a fallen world, but you cannot escape that reality. Acts chapter 17, the God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in temples built by human hands. And he is not served by human hands as if he needed anything. Like God doesn't put us to work in churches so that he can gain from us. In fact, he only has to give us. He has stuff to give to us. Everything from the free gift of eternal life and forgiveness and his grace to the Holy Spirit. And in fact, one of the gifts that he gives us is each other. Rather, he himself gives everyone life and breath and everything else. God did this so that they would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him. Though he is not far from any of us, for in him we live and move and have our being. So we might not live and have our being inside of some kind of virtual reality, but really as Christians, as believers, as people who have been reborn or born again into the family of Christ, we have a new reality. We have something else that we can actually, it says that we live and move and have our being in him. And there's nothing better than that. In the story, uh, something really crazy happens for our main character, Wade. We're going to talk a little bit more about him, but something happens for everyone in the Oasis. Watch this. Hello. I'm James Halliday. If you're watching this, I'm dead. Before I died, I created what we in the biz call an Easter egg, a hidden object in a game that gives special powers to whoever discovers it. The first person to find the egg I've hidden somewhere inside the oasis will inherit my stock in gregarious games, currently valued in excess of half a million dollars. Uh, half a trillion dollars worth and total control of the oasis itself. In the form of my avatar, Anorak the All-Knowing, 
I created three keys. Three hidden challenges test for worthy traits, revealing three hidden keys to three magic gates. And those with the skill to survive these straits will reach the end where the prize awaits. Off you go, keys. The keys aren't just laying around under a rock somewhere. I suppose you could say they're invisible, hidden in a dark room that's at the center of a maze that's located somewhere up here. Let the hunt for Halliday's Easter egg begin. So in this world that everybody wants to escape from, so they... Ha so, th so they log in through their virtual reality and go to the Oasis. The creator of the Oasis has a competition for everyone who's inside the Oasis. And that is, find the keys, win the competition, you win everything. You win an inheritance that you cannot even imagine. Not, not just with riches, but you get to help run the Oasis that you love so much. And I'll tell you this, that for us as Christians, what we get is even better. We get something that our creator has an offer for us, an invitation, if you will, to take eternal life and to take forgiveness and to live the life that he created us to live. In fact, when, I, when you're watching this movie, if you've seen it or plan to watch it, it's, it's very easy. It's, it's much like another movie that I've seen called Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. The story is very, very similar where a guy who owns a big company and everybody loves puts out a competition, and he's really looking for a successor. He's looking for someone to carry on the inheritance or the legacy. And so our main character, Wade, who is in fact called Parzival in his avatar when he goes into the oasis, his name is Parzival, and his friends call him Z, is a lot like Charlie, and they're looking for golden tickets. And in 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 Charlie in the Chocolate Factory, but in this story, they're looking for keys, right? They're looking to win competitions. They're looking to unlock the mysteries that the Creator built. And that's kind of the same as us. God gave us this, this life to live. God gave us uh, an, an inheritance or a legacy to live on to try and find those who would seek Him and those who would search for Him, and those who He said will find Him. And that's, that's what Parzival does in the story. He and his friends end up going on a crazy adventure looking for the keys. And in his great mercy, God, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you. In other words, God has given us something that is so big. In fact, it, it, the Bible says that what God has prepared for us, we can't even imagine it. It's so big. It's so amazing that it doesn't really fit into our minds. And so when we start this journey of faith, we're really saying, okay, God, this feels bigger than anything. This, I don't quite understand what you want from me or have for me, but I'm willing to fulfill my life by pursuing God. And so that is how we start the journey or start this. It's not a competition for us. In fact, I'll tell you this. The, the creator, God, built this life for us with an inheritance. But 
the biggest difference between us and this movie is this is no mystery how to find God. God's not hiding. The, the, the secrets or the, the mysteries, even the things of heaven that are hidden, they're there to be found. He said, if we'll seek him, we'll find him. He said, if you'll seek me with your whole heart, you will find me. And so when we're searching for God, when we're seeking for God, he's not trying to build a mystery that only a few can find. He's, he's in fact trying to build, uh, he's built a mystery that anyone who, who seeks him can find. But here's the way it happens. It's, the Bible describes the kingdom of heaven as light. He says that I am light. I am the light of the world is what Jesus said. But there's darkness out there. And he said that the darkness cannot comprehend the light. And so when we're in darkness, and if we, if we haven't come into light, we haven't been born into the kingdom of heaven, the darkness can't understand the light. And so we can look at the light, or we can, we can see it from a distance and not quite understand it, and we can be told, hey, the light works like this, you turn the light on, and then there's no more darkness. If we're still in darkness, we're unable to comprehend how, how the light works. In fact, Many scientists all over the world right now, we still don't know how light works exactly. Is it a, is it a beam? Is it a, uh, what kind of a photon? Like, how does light work? Is it a wave? <laughs> we don't exactly know how it works. We have ideas. We're testing things, trying to figure out. But even in our spiritual walk, until we step all the way in to God and figure out what that light is about, we don't know. But when we do step into it, then we can, then the, the lights come on and it's no longer a mystery. We can understand the love of God. We can start to share the love of God. We can start living in everything that he has for us. He goes on in 1 Corinthians, Paul says, No, the wisdom we speak of is the mystery of God. His plan that was previously hidden, even though he made it for our ultimate glory before the world began. So God made this world and he built into it a plan for us, which is a mystery, until he said his plan that was previously hidden, again, into the kingdom of God, we say that prayer of salvation and say, God, come into my life. I want to give you my life. Forgive me of my sins. Take control. Like when we say that prayer, something happens inside of you. You begin to believe on Jesus you get that free gift, and all of a sudden, the lights get turned on, and you start walking a different life. You start seeing with eyes that are different. You start hearing with ears that are different. And so Parzival, in the story, starts figuring out different pieces of the puzzle, and all of a sudden, it starts coming together. And so my prayer for you is, is really the same thing, that, God, that, that not only would you say that prayer to know, begin to know God but he would, be, he would be able to open your eyes, open your ears, so you can start seeing the light. Start seeing the things of heaven, the things that are a mystery for those in the darkness. That they start making sense, and your life starts making sense. In verse 9, this, that is what the scriptures mean when they say, No eye has seen, nor ear has heard, and no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. So back to the story real quick. Parzival, or Z, figures out that Hey, the first key is in this race. So everybody shows up in vehicles. you got to run this race. But the problem is no one can win the race. In fact, no matter how many times they enter the race, they lose. Everybody crashes. Everybody has uh, to start all over. They keep entering. No, the, the race is impossible. And yet, in order to find the key, he, he ends up searching through the archives of the creator and getting, they can watch videos and memories of, of what the creator put together and that's where he finds this key. 
Invention comes with responsibilities you didn't ask for. All right, if you make something people want or need, then it's up to you to set the limits. You have to make some rules. I don't want to make any more rules. I don't want to make any more rules. I'm a dreamer. I'm a dreamer. I build, I build worlds. worlds. We created something beautiful, Jim, but it's changed, okay? It's really not a game anymore. Are we finished? I liked how things were when they were. When it was a game. And we're back to where we started. But that's the point, isn't it? Things move forward, whether you like it or not. Yeah, we're finished. Fine. Why can't we go backwards for once? Backwards, really fast, fast as we can. <laughs> really put the pedal to the metal, you know? Go back, it's 10 seconds. Why can't we go backwards for once? Backwards, really fast, fast as we can. <laughs> really put the pedal to the metal, you know? Bill and Ted did it. Tell me. You're the first to finish. Mr. Halliday, I, Anorak, it's such an honor. Yeah, the honor's all mine. Get yourself a clue.
And so like Parzival, we figure out that God has a race for us. And the hard part, I think, even though this might seem a little weird to you, some of the biggest problems that we have moving forward are the things that are in the past. And so in order for us to go forward, we actually have to go back. I think whether it's even in the key of starting relationships or whether or not we decide we're going to step out and, and become a part of something, a church or the body of Christ, a lot of, the, a lot of times the thing that stops us is, well, I've done that before or I've trusted someone before or I've been hurt before or starting a new relationship is really the beginning of that <laughs> is being able to leave yesterday the way that it's supposed to. The scripture is pretty clear. Uh, Philippians chapter 3, verse 14, Paul says, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward, heavenward in Christ Jesus. But in order for me to press forward, in order for me to move ahead, I have to be able to walk out of yesterday. And I think for a lot of us, it's, we talk about things like baggage, emotional baggage, and, and things that have just, it's like some of us walk into church even, or walk into a small group, or walk through life, and we're carrying bags that we picked up 20 years, 30 years ago, some of us longer. You might have picked up yesterday, but you got backpacks and bags and luggage, and you're pulling. It's almost like you have so many things from yesterday. How can you consider going anywhere? You can barely take one step anywhere. But God says that you have to settle yesterday. You have to be able to put down all those bags so that you can begin to walk forward unhindered. And so God wants us to be unhindered. God wants us to live in freedom. God wants us to be able to have liberty. But in order for us to do that, we have to be able to settle yesterday. So I want to show you something. I want to show you an idea that you may never have considered because sometimes we tie these two things together. And I want to show you today that they're not the same thing. God gives us salvation, and he gives us freedom, and it's a free gift. And it happens just like that. When you believe in Jesus, that's when, that's when forgiveness comes. That's when salvation comes. But watch this. 1 John chapter 1, verse 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. That means I can be washed as white as snow. He can make me whole. He can make me a forgiven, like anything I've done, all the things that I've thought, seen, acted, uh, said, things I should have done but didn't do. He can say in, a, in a, just a, an instant, I can be made whole and forgiven. But we think that, okay, I'm forgiven now. I have salvation. My name's written in the Lamb's Book of Life. That's what he describes happens whenever we become a Christian, that in heaven, our name is written in a book, and that one day we'll be there, and he'll open up the gate and say, well done, my good and faithful servant. We think that that is the same thing as being healed. Okay, so I've, I should feel better, right? But no, sometimes I'm forgiven. I've said the prayer of salvation. I've begun a walk of faith with God, but now I still feel broken. I still feel isolated and lonely and heartbroken, and I need to find healing. That's a, that's a whole nother thing. Watch this. James chapter 5 verse 16 says it like this. Not confessing my sins to God so that I can be forgiven. He says, therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. Something happens in small groups. That, this is the key. This is the, the absolute key of small groups. 
small groups, we, we have 19 different small groups in this session. It's a, it's a brand new session. You can jump in, but for people to join a group they've never been a part of, it's incredible. And it's growing like crazy. But the real point of small groups is so that we can put a couple people in a room. That's why we have a limit. You got to have at least three people to make a small group, but most of them are six, eight, ten. You get a small group going so that in that small group, that's why I don't care if they do, um, I've mentioned all kinds of different things, but like vacuum cleaner racing or lawnmower race, it doesn't matter if it's that or a Bible study or if one of the small groups is going to watch all the movies that we watch and when at the movies is over at the end of September, they're just going to keep watching movies and doing Bible study and talking together. Why? Because that's not really the point. The point is, that every week you can get together with people where you can sit down and have a conversation. You can start building trust with someone. And some, I, here, here's what I, I can tell you. It only takes about usually three or four or five weeks. And then you're having a conversation like, man, you know what? I haven't known you that long. But I got to tell somebody this. Like opening the door because you don't have to tell everybody your problems, but you got to tell somebody. Because when you tell somebody the problem, when you let somebody see the mess, and usually it happens this way, you show up, you come to my small group, you're probably going to get it this way. Wow, these people actually have way more problems than I do. That's what happens. You start seeing they're all comfortable enough to take off the mask and share who they really are, and then you're able to say, wow, these, these people aren't stuck up. They don't feel like they're better than everybody else. And all of a sudden, you feel comfortable enough to say, Okay, I'll take the mask off for a minute, but maybe just for one person, you can have that conversation with somebody that you've started to trust because it needs to happen. Maybe it takes longer for you, but here's the deal. Salvation is immediate, but healing is a process, and healing is a process that we all need to go through, and that happens for us in the context of small groups, in that life happens in small groups. Healing happens in small groups. Miracles happen in small groups. The stuff that we all want to happen on Sunday morning so that we don't have to do any work. Well, Pastor, I need you to give me a message so good that I just walk away healed and set free and my life's better. That's not quite how it happens. We, I, every single week I'll give an opportunity for salvation. But at some point you have to take a step of faith. You have to trust someone. Even though Here's the deal. You trust someone. What will inevitably happen is that someone will hurt you again and again and again because we're people. And even though we're like the sheep of his pasture, sometimes sheep bite and sometimes sheep kick. But what, I can, what I can tell you is that we are trying our hardest not to have any wolves because we can get into real trouble. And some of us have trusted churches and pastors and other people in our small groups and family members and we've been hurt so badly that We've created a situation or been sucked into a situation where that, the, the problem is the solution. And the solution that we're hurt and we can't find healing because we can't go to the solution because the solution is the problem. So start developing trust now. In fact, right here in the next, the next uh, clip that we're going to watch, Parzival teams up. They call themselves the High Five and the five of them really finish this, this uh, journey, this adventure together. They figure out that a big corporation is trying to win the competition and take over the Oasis by hiring just thousands of people and sending them in to try and win the competitions. And so now it's the little guy against the big guy. And 
Believe me, the idea is not lost that sometimes church turns into a corporate endeavor and we get the relationships get lost. The meaning of the individuals get lost and it, gets, it becomes a, uh, a business and it becomes a, that, that really is a problem. And that's in a lot of ways why people have said, I can't trust the church. I can't have relationships that help me find healing because that's a problem. And so we, have, we as the church, and I, I put that blame on all of us because I, I, I will take responsibility, but I'm not the church. We are the church. And the church has created systems to fix a problem, but the problem can't be fixed with systems. The problem gets fixed with relationships. No one can do that for you. I can't build a system that says, hey, here's your relationship. All I can do is put a clipboard in the hallway and say, hey, sign up, go meet some people. <laughs> and hope that you will take a step of faith and get to know somebody. So Parzival calls people to battle because he realizes that the battle is really a big one and he's going to need some backup. Watch this. Citizens of the Oasis, I am Parzival, first to the key. I'm here talking to all of you now because our future is being threatened by people who will stop at nothing to win this contest. Some of you already know this, and you've lost much more than just your avatars or your weapons. Some have lost their freedom. Some have lost their lives. And now, this. A force field around the third challenge. I only came here to escape hand that life dealt me. But I stayed, like many of you, because I found something much bigger than just myself. I found a cause. I found my friend. And yes, I know it's kind of a groaner, but I found love. Ask yourselves, are you willing to zero out for the Oasis? Are you willing to fight? I am Parzival of the High Five. In the name of Artemis, in the name of H, in the name of Daito and Sho, we ask you to join us on Planet Doom. In the name of James Halliday himself, help us save the Oasis. figures out that the fight is not only a big one, he'll need some help. And so he calls on help, and everybody out there starts coming to answer to fight against the evil that is represented there. And come, they, they eventually go on to fight and win, as you can imagine. Or if you've seen the movie, you know they go to fight on, they go to fight and win. But just like Parzival and his team, I'll tell you this, that we are better together. Whether you feel like you can figure it out on your own, whether you've had a good run or a bad run, I promise you that we are better together. If you're taking notes, just write that real big across the top of your paper. We are better together. God is strong, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. This is a verse that you may or, or may, have never, may have not ever read, but this is typically we talk about the armor of God because it talks about why do we need the armor of God? We focus on the armor of God, and we need the armor of God. We need salvation and righteousness and truth and uh, the word of God. 
and faith and peace. We need the, the helmet of salvation. We need all those things. But I want you to pay attention as we, as we read this verse. It's the message version, but it talks kind of around those things. Watch this. God is strong, and he wants you strong. So take everything the master has set out for you, well-made weapons of the best materials, and put them to use so you'll be able to stand up to everything that the devil throws your way. Like, we're going to have a tough time in this world. Whether it's personal decisions or things that we get pulled into, we live in a world of sin. This is no afternoon athletic contest that we'll walk away from and forget about in a couple of hours. This is for keeps, a life or death fight to the finish against the devil and all his angels. Be prepared. You're up against far more than you can handle on your own. Listen, in this world, there are things that are against us that are more than we can handle on our own. We need not only the weapons that God has given us, but as you'll see, we need each other. Take all the help you can get, every weapon God has issued, so that when it's all over by, but the shouting, you'll still be on your feet. One day, our hope is that when everything, has, when the dust has settled in this world, that we'll be able to stand before God and he'll say, well done, my good and faithful servant. That's winning. It doesn't really matter what happens on this earth, but we have a, a race to run. He says, truth, righteousness, peace, faith, and salvation are more than words. Learn how to apply them or put on that armor. You'll need them throughout your life. God's word is an indispensable weapon. That's the sword of the spirit. In the same way, prayer is essential in this ongoing warfare. We have a battle to fight, and we need everyone on the battlefield to fight it. Pray for your brothers and sisters. Keep your eyes open. Keep your Keep each other's spirits up so that no one falls behind or drops out. Unfortunately, a lot of uh, churches and small groups, something from someone or like the point of that group, the point of that community. That's why we named the church Relate because we need, each, we need to relate to each other and we're not going through life alone. We need to relate to God, but not just, it's not this, this world is not just me. Hey God, it's me and you against the world. That's not how this works. God is our father. We have an incredible inheritance, but that makes us brothers and sisters. He brings us into his family, and we need each other. We are the body of Christ. We talked about this a lot over the last four weeks, how the body of Christ fits together, needs to work together, or else we're lame. We're broken. So we all take our places, and we work together, and we get where he wants us to be. What happens is that if, we, if we're separated or isolated, then we immediately get disconnected from the body. What happened to Eve whenever she was away from Adam? I'm not saying that Adam was just her protector and that she couldn't live without him, but when we're separated and we get alone, it's fair, it's, it's, we're much more susceptible to temptation, to falling, to making mistakes, to, to getting ourselves in trouble. When King David, he sent, the Bible says that he sent off his generals. He sent off his men and sent them to war, but he stayed behind for some reason. We don't know why. But he was all alone, and that's when he finds himself on the rooftop. And look, there's Bathsheba, and he makes some of the worst mistakes of his life. He does so well. He has a heart after God. He wins battle after battle after battle for the kingdom of God and for God's people, yet as soon as he gets alone. In fact, when, the, when his men were with him, there were times when his men tried to talk him into doing the wrong thing. Hey, it's time to kill Saul. He's right there. All you got to do is take his life. And he thinks through and makes strong decision, and as a team, they win. 
But the moment that he gets alone, there's no one there to tempt him. None of his men are there to stand with him. He's either not thinking, like something happens to us when we're alone. Things get overwhelming. Like we don't think the same when we're alone as whenever we think when there are other people. That's not just a multitude of counsel. The Bible talks about a multitude of, that there's wisdom in a multitude of counsel. But God has more for us than that. The church, and I don't just mean this church, Relate Community Church. I mean like the big C church, the church at large, all of us, the body of Christ is God's strategy for community. Like we're, we're meant to fit together. We're meant to be together. We're better together. I want to close with an idea that the story goes on to to show how Parsifal and the High Five win the win the the competition. They find all the keys and they do battle and take down the big corporation. And and uh, as you can expect, they all live happily ever after. the The end of the story. Uh, closes with him being given an option of here sign the contract and the oasis is and he he stops and thinks wait this is not right he went this whole time with his team with the high five and what they what he actually ends up doing is passing he says i'm not going to take the oasis and be the dictator and rule the world inside this virtual reality he says we're going to run it together he brings in his team and he's trying to make the right decisions and then Everything works out, as it does in movies usually. They lived happily ever after, and what happens for us is we're looking for our happily ever after. But I'll, I'll point out one thing that's usually not uh, he lived happily ever after or a she lived happily ever It's they lived happily ever after. Like one of the things missing in your happily ever after is the they part. We are meant to fit together. God has purpose for you. God has a plan for your life that includes not just salvation, but healing. Past the heartbreak, past the isolation and loneliness, and past the things that you may have even given up on. But here's what I will say. In closing, that God's plan for you doesn't stop when you say a prayer of salvation. There's next steps. There's like, what, what, what's that next step? I'd like us to pray together in closing right now that God would help us to have eyes to see and the ears to hear what comes next. What, we turn the lights on in our faith and we start walking that, that walk of faith. How do we live that out? So would you pray with me? Father, we thank you that you are our heavenly Father. You are our heavenly Father in heaven. We trust you. We know that you have a great plan for our life. We, we know that you have a, a destiny prepared for us, that you, that you made us and created us, that we are your workmanship, your craftsmanship. And so, God, today we ask you to help us to see the life you have prepared for us, the, the community and the relationships that will help us to find healing in a small group, in the people of this church, that you would help us to begin to trust again. You'd help us to begin to open up our hearts to trust someone and share our lives, do life together. In Jesus' name.
Now, there might be someone here who has never taken that first step of faith and trusted God for salvation and asked his forgiveness for, for sin and for life. Don't let another day go by where you don't turn that light switch on and start living the life that you were meant to live. If that's you and you're here today and you don't want to go another day and you're tired of trying to figure it out on your own, but you're ready to invite Jesus Christ into your life, I'd like to ask every person in the room, would you just bow your head right where you are? Bow your head, close your eyes, nobody looking around. Maybe today is the day where everything, say, Pastor Sean, I want to be a part of that prayer. Include me. Would you just raise your hand right now? You don't have to come forward or stand up with nobody looking around. Would you just raise your hand up and say, I want to be included in that prayer. Thank you. Thank you, thank you. I'm going to invite every person to say this prayer with me. Would you repeat after me? God, I thank you for Jesus. I thank you for salvation and that free gift. Today I receive it. I receive the free gift of forgiveness. So God, forgive me of my sin. Come into my life. Fill me. Make me new. Let me be reborn. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. Let's say welcome to everyone who said that prayer. What, that is such an, it seems so simple, but it's so amazing. It's huge to take that step of faith. And at this point, I'd like to invite the band to join me back on the stage. We're going to have one last uh, moment of worship together as we give. <clears throat> and as, part of that, I would like to just say this, that some of you guys have, have uh, made Relate Community Church your home. I love that. Some of you are still trying to figure it out. You're kicking the tires and trying to... Uh, see what God has for you, that's fine too. We, I, I love the fact that there are skeptics here at Relate. I love the fact that anyone who's been through anything can walk into this place and, and see what God has for them. Right now, down the hall, there are people who are going through growth track step one. If, if you're interested in figuring it out, go next week and, and take the spiritual gifting test during the second service, the, the personality test. That we, we take tests to figure out what does God have for me? I'd like to encourage you to, to join us for that uh, down near the, uh, near the kids in Theater One. To this morning, though, if you said that prayer of salvation, I want to I encourage you to do this. I wanna, I'm not going to come visit you or call you or hassle you. We have a no-hassle guarantee. If you said that prayer, I'd love for you to take the Connect card out and check that box that says, I gave my life to Jesus today. Put it in the offering so we can send you a next step. The ushers are in position. We're going to pass the buckets as we worship and give in the offering as we, as we usually do. But if you said that prayer, I would love for you to put that card inside the bucket so that we can know who said that prayer and we can do life together. So God bless you guys. I want to say a prayer of blessing over you every week we give. And that we wouldn't be here if it wasn't for you giving if it wasn't for those in the first service. And many of you guys give online. The instructions on how to do that are behind me. But it means the world to, to my family. And I know the, the dream team that shows up here at 7 o'clock in the morning on Sundays to start setting up and working. Uh, I think this morning we had 42 or so people that showed up. And you guys, incredible. I want to say a prayer and let's, 
worship with our giving. Lord, we love you this morning. We give because we love you. We give of our time, our talent, and our treasure. We, we thank you, God, that we get to be a part of this life that you have given us, that we get to be a part of this family of faith, that we get to go where you've called us to go, and we get to do this great mission in the world every single day. It's so exciting to be a part of what you're doing. We ask your blessings on it. We ask you to receive our gifts in Jesus' name as an offering. Amen. Would you stand up on your feet and let's worship the Lord this morning. Your presence is anointed.